$18 million. $640 million. $6.1 billion. $25.5 billion. All very large amounts of money. I wish I could say I had that right now. There are also numbers that reflect spending at various levels of government on a number of priorities in the past couple years. 6.1 billion is the amount of federal money given in foreign aid in 2018. 25.5 billion is the national defense budget for the same year. 18 million is what's in this year's Ontario Ministry of Environment budget for climate change research. 640 million is the amount being spent on widening about 18 kilometers of the 401 in Mississauga. Now here's my disclaimer. My intention is not to make political statements this morning or engage in partisan politics. It's not to try to draw moral conclusions about how the governments distribute, various, uh, distribute the tax dollars that they collect to a various number of important needs, causes, and concerns, both domestic and foreign, a job I could not begin to undertake. Nor is it an attempt to be ignorant or manipulative about numbers. Of course, national defense costs more than foreign aid because... National defense includes the salaries and wages for more than 125,000 civilians and troops, and foreign aid is generally just a financial transaction. Just the same, widening a highway is a factor of labor and material costs, whereas climate change research is a much different kind of work. But I do offer these numbers to make an observation. We're very good at looking after ourselves. We're very good at prioritizing what we want now and worrying less about what we might need later. We're very good at establishing policies and programs that take care of us, but leave others lying at the side of the road, often literally. And sometimes, by looking after ourselves, we end up cutting off our nose to spite our face. Spending more on foreign aid has been demonstrated time and time again. It gives assistance to countries under such economic oppression that they often become vulnerable to extremist ideologies, any promise to get them out of a rough situation, which has a direct impact on the work of national defense. Spending more on climate research than on widening highways might help future generations down the road, no pun intended, as they live in a world with a vastly changed climate. And who is my neighbor, the man asked. That's the question that leads Jesus to tell the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, one of those few biblical stories that has stood the test of time in a culture moving away from biblical literacy. The expression, Good Samaritan, falls off our lips any time we hear about a stranger who helps someone else. It's even the name of an Ontario law that protects passers-by and especially first responders who in good faith try to help another person in distress. 
but like rain on a retaining wall, it's a story that's been worn away by years of repetition, resulting in that good, agreeable, ethical moral. Do good deeds. Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. But there's an edge to this parable that we uncover when we recall that when Jesus told this parable, it was deeply controversial. People were shocked. This was a story about enemies showing mercy and grace towards one another. Scripture reminds us in many places that Samaritans and Jews were opposed to each other, dating back to the post-Solomon years, and to disagreement over who the true Israel really was, the Samaritans or the Jews. And it was about a debate over whose interpretation of Scripture was correct. Sound familiar? So Jesus' words quite simply would have been shocking that a Samaritan and a Jew would have been in contact with each other at all. The Jews were forbidden from going to the land of the Samaritans, and the Samaritans didn't have much interest in coming to the land of the Jewish people. So how much more about the story of a Samaritan tenderly cleaning the wounds of a wounded Jewish person, something which would have bordered on purity violations? I think we need to reclaim the shock value of this story just a little bit. Because we can be very good at creating our own problems and thus missing some of the bigger problems right around us. That's the story of the Good Samaritan that we've heard today. It's a story about our stewardship of people, especially people that we have turned into others, just as the Samaritans and the Jews had done to one another. It's because of this that the Good Samaritan is hard to hear, and it's hard to preach on. It's hard to hear because it asks us to confront the way that we sometimes look at humanity, and despite all our best intentions, it is just human nature to create camps and categories of people. It's hard to preach on, because by trying to break down those exact same barriers, sometimes all you end up doing is just highlighting the otherness of others. For what it's worth, though, we're in good company when we do that. Because even Jesus does it in telling this parable. Jesus is relying on his audience to think, oh yes, the Levites, we know about them. Oh no, not a Samaritan. Jesus, just a little bit, is relying on the stereotypes. Because it's in the stereotypes that we see humanity stripped away. It's when labels become the value and worth of a person that people get left at the side of the road. That's what happens when we reclaim the shock of this story, suddenly we might see in ourselves that tendency towards labeling, that monomaniacal thinking that's concerned more with our own needs and beliefs and priorities than what matter to people around us. Sometimes we catch ourselves in that tendency of thinking that because we know one thing about a person, we know everything about them or of thinking that if we give to someone else, we take away from ourselves. Of thinking that only we can be right because we have the right label or the right name or the right whatever. So Jesus, in the story of the Good Samaritan, does the most unimaginable thing. Jesus turns the villain into the hero. 
so that we can see things in a different way. Jesus does the most shocking thing in a world of prejudice and protectionism. He tells a story of radical, limitless generosity and grace that challenges every stereotype and attitude, that casts away every policy that divides, every value that measures inside and outside, right and wrong, who deserves and who doesn't. And by doing that, Jesus shows us a better way. Jesus says there are no others, just humanity, compassion, and justice. This past week, General Synod, the governing body of the Anglican Church of Canada, has been meeting in Vancouver discussing a number of issues. Of course, the one gaining the most attention has been the amendment to the marriage canon which would allow for same-sex marriages to be accepted practice in the church. The vote on this resolution took place on Friday evening with the result being that Synod has elected to not change the marriage canon at this time. There are people who support this result and there are people who are deeply hurt by it. It's a particularly devastating decision to many among us who are members of the LGBTQ2S plus community and to many allies who have, walked, who have walked alongside this community on the road. This is a time for us to dig it deep into our Christian faith and to tap into that radical, limitless generosity and grace. Already, I have seen the headline, Anglicans vote to reject same-sex marriage. Today, we are united under that headline. But we know that in reality, that's not the case. In fact, a wide majority voted in favor of the change at Synod, but not in the right proportions. We are united by that result, united by that headline, but we can re be reasonably sure that even in this parish, which has a history of being an affirming, welcoming community for all people, there are simply, statistically, it's simply statistically true that there are to be some who are still discerning, still wrestling with the question. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote to a community in disagreement saying, Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you should be in agreement, and that there should be no divisions among you, but that you should be united in the same mind and the same purpose. That's a high bar to set. But the first step to reaching it is remembering that if we're only worried about ourselves, we'll never be able to care for others. On the other hand, if we're being faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we're hearing the parable of the Good Samaritan the way Jesus is telling it, then we know that no policy, no doctrine, no budget line item, no theology that turns people into others can be a gospel truth. While the church may have not resolved this issue in this season, we must remember that as God's creation, we are united by something so, so much greater than any one thing that might divide us. And that's the grace that God extends to each of us in Christ that brings light to darkness, healing to the broken, and liberation to those at the side of the road. 
In the weeks to come as a diocese, we'll learn more about where this goes next, and the College of Bishops will prayerfully do that work of discernment. But one thing that will always be constant is that this place will continue to be a place of God's love for all members of the LGBTQ2S plus community, just as much as it will be a place of God's love for those who hold more traditional views of marriage and sexuality. Because in this world that God has created and given us, there is room for far more than we can imagine. Jesus' words here, today, in this place, remind us that there are no others. There are no outsiders. There's just humanity, each one among us. Jesus' words remind us that when we give to friends and strangers, we take nothing away from ourselves. When we give care to the neighbor with whom we don't see eye to eye, we keep everyone moving along the road safely. When we meet people instead of policy, we come that much closer to meeting Christ, who meets each of us where we are and not just the destination. About two weeks ago, Bishop Jane Alexander, a diocesan of Edmonton, published a letter which struck me as a reminder of what it means for us to live as people united by that grace of God, especially in the light of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Bishop Jane wrote that everything that we do as the church all coalesces to show the inclusive love of God and shows the world the church deep in prayer, discerning the will of God together and determined to leave no one behind. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The man asks Jesus. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus replies, you must leave nobody by the side of the road. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.